Well, good morning. Welcome to Asante Church. All right, I wasn't expecting that, but that was good. We're, we're in this together this morning. Well, hey, it was sixth grade that today's story kind of unfolded for me. It was the eighth period dismissal bell had just gone off. I was, again, I was a sixth grader, so I had a hoodie on. I never took my hoodie off. If you have a middle schooler, I'm sure they've never taken their hoodie off. Um, so hoodie goes up. Headphones go on. It's time to get home because it is 3.55 in the afternoon, and Pokemon is coming on at 4 o'clock p.m., okay? And so I am I'm on a beeline towards my house. Now, where I lived, if you wanted to ride the bus, you had to live two miles away from school. Where our house was situated was 1.99999 repeated miles away from the school, which meant I just had to walk uphill both ways in, in the snow, and it was Texas, so sometimes it was in the summer, which is, it's like here, but it's humid, so sometimes your shoes kind of, they melt to the pavement. And so I'm walking home as fast as I can from school, and I finally get to the door. And there's some really important things on the other side of that door. See, I've got an appointment first with Pokemon, second with MTV's TRL, that's Total Request Live with Carson Daly. It's the best show ever. They'd only show you 10 seconds of a, of a music video, and then, I don't know, you're supposed to be happy with that. I, it was great. Uh, not only that, but there was double stuff Oreos on the other side of that door, not the normal kind, the diet kind, the double stuff. Those had just come out, big deal. There was lemon-lime Gatorade on the other side of that door. There was Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Also, those just came out as well. Like, growing up for me was pretty legit. We had the internet that was invented. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Thank you, Al Gore and whoever invented Cheetos. Uh, I might have had a weight problem back then, but I started skateboarding and it, and it worked itself off. I had something that I needed to get to on the other side of that door. There was only one issue. You see, when I left the house that morning walking 15 miles uphill and in the snow and the heat, that day was weird, Texas weather, right? On the way to school, I forgot my key. And so here I am. Pokemon's happening on the other side of that door. All the good snacks, good drinks in the world are just on the other side of that door. There's only one thing that I was missing to get on the other side of that door, and that was a key. And so I had to go to my neighbor's house, and they didn't have cable, and that was, that was a, real, a real bummer for me. I think as a church, I think as believers, we can leave so much on the table, we can leave so much on the other side of that door when it comes to prayer. And the other side of that door is heaven. And here we are in the physical realm, here we are on earth. And the only thing we need to bring the things of heaven down to earth is prayer. But we've never seen prayer as the way that Jesus describes it. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start off in Matthew 18, 18. We're going to go on a scripture wild goose hunt this morning. A little bit all over the place, but then we'll kind of hone back in. First thing I want us to see as a church today is that prayer is a key. Prayer is a key in which we access things in heaven 
and we let loose. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The only thing that we need to do is ask. Now, if we can bind and loose things in heaven, lock them up and unlock them through prayer, I think that means that prayer is probably a little bit bigger than a lot of us have ever thought of. Prayer is a key, but prayer is not a key that we can bend God to our will using. Prayer is a key that we can use within God's conditional will. You see, God's will has rules. Prayer has rules. Unlocking things and locking them up in heaven to bring them down to earth has rules. And so we have to operate as believers within God's will. And within God's will, there are two parts of it. There are God's unconditional will, and that's the part of God's will that he's going to do without you. He's going to do without me. He's going to do because he's God. He's the big guy upstairs. He's in charge. He's going to take care of it himself. It doesn't matter what circumstances surround those events. He's going to do it. But then there is also God's conditional will. You see, God is sovereign. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere. God is all-sovereign. In his sovereignty, he limits his all-powerfulness. He limits himself, and then he's sovereign enough to follow and abide by the rules in which he sets for himself, and that is where we fall within God's conditional will. And within God's conditional will, he chooses to operate with us in cooperation. That means God chooses to allow certain things to happen. He has set up certain things to happen. The only thing that we have to do is cooperate with God in order to see those things happen. I think that is where we are leaving so much on the table. For an example, God desires all men to be saved, but it takes men believing on Jesus for salvation. That is part of God's conditional will. God has a part to play. We have a part to play. And God desires for us to cooperate with him. You think about that. Think about how special that is. How special God's design for you and for me is as his creation. Beautiful. And he chooses to cooperate with us through prayer. That is the means in which we access everything that God wants to do here on earth within his conditional will. I think the problem for us is, is that we are not asking. If you look at the letter of James, James chapter 4, verse 2, the second half says, you do not have because you do not ask. And I think that's where we are as a church. And I know, especially for me, that's where I am as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. I have left so much in my life unasked for. And so, God's will, God's will can be tricky. God's will is not always clear. And so I think that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, that we make sure we are praying all things at all times. He says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You and I, we can know some of God's will, but we can never know precisely exactly what he is doing in the world. And so let's not leave anything on the table once again by not communicating with him through prayer. 
let's not leave anything locked up in heaven that could come down to earth because we have not asked him to make it so and we not, have not said, hey, here I am, use me in order to make it happen. So as a church, let's get one thing straight when it comes to prayer. Prayer is not just a religious practice or tradition. It is not something that we have to check off of a spiritual list. It is not, God is not a big cosmological genie in the sky that we get three wishes from. And prayer is not just something that we do to appease a God who we may feel like is after us. But what prayer is, is an open relational communication with the God of the universe. Think about that. As infinitely big and as infinitely powerful as God is, he still cares and chooses to cooperate with you. Whether that's on the biggest problem, the biggest issue, the biggest mountaintop win of your life, or the most minute detail in your existence, God cares and he is in it with you. And we can take those things to him in prayer because he is concerned. Now, prayer, it is the means in which we cooperate with God to bring things from heaven into the physical realm. It is the asking of God to release his will from heaven to earth. This is what Jesus says. Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And once again, God can do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to act when we pray. And he especially chooses to act when we pray together. Matthew 6, 18, 19, 19 through 20. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So, this is why it is so important not just to pray, not that this would just be something, a, a part of our personal lives as believers, but that we would be a part of a local body of believers, that we would find people that we can live in community with and that we can pray with. This is why it is so important to be all in, not just for the Lord, but for the church that he has set up. This is why it's so important to be a part of the local church. And so today we cover two points on prayer and how prayer works into us being all in for his church. And so point number one this morning is, I will pray for my church. If you're taking notes, if you're writing them down on your phone, if you got your connect card, write that down. I will pray for my church. I hope you're writing these down, unless you just have an awesome memory, because this is me genuinely asking you to do these things. This isn't something that we just say at church, we feel good about ourselves, and then we go home and we just forget about it. This is something that we take with us. Don't stay locked out on the other side of the door. Take this with you. I will pray for my church. That means that I will pray for the body. I'm not going to pray for this cafeteria. I'm not going to pray for this specific hour alone on Sunday. I'm going to pray for the church, and the church is not the facility. It is the body. It is the people that make up the church. If I'm going to pray for the church, that means that I will live in community with people in the church. 
You can't live life alone. That's one of the things that we believe here at Asante Church. And if I live in community with other people, that means that I will know the needs of other people. The only way you can live in community with other people and not know the needs of other people is if you're just completely self-centered and self-absorbed and you get into a group and it becomes all about you. But that's not how we are as followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we have the mind of Christ which says, you before me. I am here to be concerned about you and I am here to meet your needs. And so this means that we will learn the needs of other people, but not only will we learn them, we will intercede for the needs of other people within the church. Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is instruction that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that concludes the armor of God. This is wartime instruction. Paul is saying if you want to last in battle, if you want victory as a believer, if you want to win as a church, pray like this. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Why do we pray at all times in the Spirit? Because the Spirit is our source of power in prayer. It's like saying let there be light and you don't turn on the light switch. Make sure you are praying in the Spirit. And what do we pray in the Spirit? We pray all kinds of prayers. We don't just pray little prayers. We don't just pray prayers that we try to make super eloquent. We don't just pray prayers that are, God, thank you for this, 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 and this. We don't just, on the other hand, pray prayers that are just requests. God, I need this. 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 This happened. I need that. It's a mix of all of it. We don't just pray having eaten. We pray fasted as well. We don't just pray trying not to fall asleep with our eyes closed and maybe we're sitting down. Maybe it's first thing in the morning, but we pray on our knees. We pray with our hands lifted to the sky. We pray with our hands open, needing something from the Lord. We pray different postures. We pray all kinds of prayers. And then Paul says, be alert. Church, that means know what's going on around you. It's one thing to pray. It's one thing to know what to pray about and what to pray for. So be alert and then pray for all of the Lord's people. Being all in is being in this, not just alone, but beside one another. And there is no better way that we could be beside one another than praying for each other. Don't stay locked outside of that door. Second thing that I would ask you, on behalf of me, on behalf of Jacob, on behalf of any elders that we ever appoint, overseers of this church, is that you would pray for your pastors. Pray for us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. This is the qualifications that Paul is writing to young Timothy, his disciple, of what it means to be a pastor. This is the qualifications in which it takes to fill this role. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband to one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. That's quite a list, isn't it? Anybody want to be a pastor? You sign up today. 
quite a list for any man. But I know without a doubt that this is impossible. This list is impossible to uphold, to maintain, to continue to be qualified in, in life, in ministry, if the Holy Spirit is not at work in my life. If the Holy Spirit is not at work in Jacob's life, if the Holy Spirit is not at work in the overseers and the elders of this church, then it will not happen. So what I ask you to pray for us is that we would remain filled in the Spirit. Now, we've been baptized in the Spirit. The Spirit is indwelling in us. That happened at the point of believing. I pray that you would pray for us, that the Spirit would well up inside of us that the way that we walk would be in the spirit and not in the flesh, and that we would not disqualify ourselves from ministry. I ask that you would pray for our families. Verses 4 and 5, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? I've seen so many pastors, and I'm sure that you have too, over your time and churches and in ministry over the years, I've seen so many pastors whose ministry has just been swept aside due to their lack of being able to manage their homes because their home life was an absolute train wreck. And I don't know how that came about. I don't know if they misprioritized ministry over their family. Maybe they were just a better leader in the church than they actually were at home. Maybe they just had some really rebellious kids. I think we can all relate to that. But what I ask you to pray for me, to pray for Jacob and any elders that we instate in this church, is that we would love our, our wives well, and that we would love our children well. I think so much of this can just be avoided. If a husband is being the husband and being the husband that God has called him to be, I think so much of this avoided can be avoided if dad is at home and he is present and he is dad. And so pray that we wouldn't be seduced by ministry. Pray that we wouldn't be in bed with the church, but that we would fall madly in love with Jesus. And because we would fall madly in love with Jesus, then everything else would come out of that. The way that we love our wives, the way that we love our kids, and that we would manage our households well. Those wouldn't run amok so that we can manage this church well. Because the last thing you want is a pastor that can't manage his home and then things just get turned up here. I pray and I ask for you that you would pray for our spiritual maturity. We see this in verse 6. He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Look, it's no surprise to you. We're not finished products. We still have some figuring out to do, some polishing up to do. Look, some of you have been here since our very first message, our very first worship gathering in Sun City West when we were shut down here because of the pandemic and we couldn't get into the school. Man, I, I think back on all 30 of us that gathered there and I think, man, that was pretty rough. But you stuck by us. I pray that you would continue to do that, but you, that you would pray that God would guide us as he continues to grow us. None of us are finished products until we go to be with Jesus. Pray for us, because as we go, so the church goes. And I also pray that you would pray for our decision-making. 
There's a lot of decisions that need to be made when it comes to a church plant and any church that's becoming established. And then once you get established, you just have a different set of problems. Pray for us in our decision making. And then lastly, pray for our protection. 1 Timothy 3.7, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Moral failings are happening left and right in ministry today. And I know some of the guys that have been caught up in moral failings. And I know one thing is for sure, is that those guys get into ministry and they never see from the very beginning of it, they don't go through ministry hoping that one day it'll end up in a massive ball of flame. But somewhere along the way, they fell into something that they shouldn't have. They replaced their love for the Lord with a cheap counterfeit. And when that happens, it damages what God is doing in the church. When that happens, it damages the reputation of the church and the community. When that happens, it not only puts a stain on the church, but it puts a stain on the people that have said, I'm all in with this church. So pray for our protection. It says that the devil sets a snare. In the life of any pastor, there's going to be a point where the devil sets a snare and he tries to take down the leader of that church. Pray that we would be protected when that time comes, that moral failing would not take place. Second point this morning. This is a big one. I will pray with my church. I will pray with my church. This means that I will be in continuous communication with God, and we see that in James 5, chapter 13. James 5, chapter 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. So we can ask that question right now. Is anyone here suffering? Nobody, that, that nobody's going to answer that. All right. Well, if anyone here is suffering, what does it say? It says, let him pray. Now, if we are not suffering, then there's another side of this coin here in verse 13. Is anyone cheerful? If we're not suffering, that means that we should be cheerful. If we are suffering, then we should be praying to God. But if we are cheerful, then that means that we should be singing praise, which means at any point of the day, we should either be praying to God or we should be praising God. At any point in your day, you will either be suffering or you will be cheerful. As a church, we will suffer together and we will be cheerful together. And in all of it, we go to God in constant, continuous communication. There's a lot of times where God is trying to get our attention in pain. Pain invites growth. Pain invites a lot of closeness to God. But a lot of times we don't go to God and ask him, God, I need you to take care of this for whatever reason. And so what happens is we prolong the pain. And so what we need to do is we need to pray to God continually. God, here's what's going on in my life. God, I need you to take care of this. God, I can't do this anymore. And when he does, then we turn it over to the side of being cheerful and we praise him, we praise him, we praise him. If I'm going to pray with my church, that means I need to make my needs known. Verse 14. James chapter 5, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Is anyone among you sick? 
Now, sick here can be translated in Greek to mean weary. Now, this also means sickness, yes, but it more so relates to the effect of sickness, which is weariness. Asante Church, is anyone here weary? Thank you. Thank you for being honest. There's a lot of us here that are weary. There's a lot of us here that are sick and tired. There are some here that are sick. But for a lot of us, we're done. We're spent. So what do we do when we find ourselves tired, weary, burnt out, done, sick, exhausted from the effects of sickness in our life? Let him call for the elders of the church. Call on a pastor to pray for you. Pray for yourself. Pray with each other. And then be prayed for by your pastors. We love you. We pray for you on a normal basis. We are concerned for you. We don't want you to continue on being weary, being sick and tired of being sick and tired, but we want to come alongside of you. We want to put our arm around you, and we want to pray for you. Again, verse 13, you pray for you. Verse 15, you need a little bit more. You need some spiritual breakthrough in your life. Maybe you feel like your prayers are just going up. They're hitting the ceiling, and they're coming back down. Call on a spiritual leader within the church. Pray together and see what breakthrough comes about. Now, this, this means that you will make your needs known. And this is available to you. Do not leave making your needs known to the church, to the church leadership, to each other. Do not leave that on the table. Again, this is why we need the local church, because sometimes just praying by ourselves doesn't quite feel like it gets the job done. Sometimes two or three or more need to gather together and pray to see breakthrough from God. So you can do that. We got a fancy new app, right? We're, we're high-tech Christians up in this world of 2023. We got a new app, part of the Asante Church app. The second box on that, we added it this week, is for prayer requests. If there's anything in your life that you need prayer over, I don't care what it is, all right? Maybe, maybe not like, I got allergies today. Pastor Alex, will you pray? I mean, I would still pray for you, but I would also probably just email you back. Take some Allegra. It works all right. <laughs> Outside of that, and even within that, I love you. I want to pray for you. I want to see God move in your life. I want you to receive restoration. I want you to receive the things that are in heaven. I want you to bring them down, unlock them with the key through prayer, and then come to earth I want you to experience healing in the way that I've experienced healing. I want you to experience miraculous healing in the way that I've experienced miraculous healing, in the way that I've seen God work miracles in other people's lives. Don't leave it on the table. Don't leave that door locked. Don't leave everything else behind it unaccessed. Make your needs known. And then pray in faith. Now, we pray in faith. We pray for big things. That means we pray for miraculous things, things like healing. Those are normal when we read the Bible. It's the same Holy Spirit that is doing that and Jesus doing that and the disciples. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the grave that is living within us. If you have put your faith in Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. Those things are still available to us as a church, and I think we can look at them as supernatural. We can look at them as scary, but I want you to know that these are normal things. 
These are things that I've experienced in my life, and these are not things that I think we need to leave just out there waiting to be asked for any longer. God wants to move in our lives. He wants to prove himself in our lives, and sometimes that means just praying with more faith. And so when we pray with faith, we pray expectantly. We pray that God will move in a mighty way in our lives, and we know that he can. We want to loose the things of heaven here on earth through the way that we pray, but it also means that we pray with acceptance. It means I will pray big things knowing that God can do them, but I will pray knowing that God's will is what is best in my life, and I will accept whatever he has planned. Now, I've talked to some people, especially some charismatic people who have said, well, that's just a cop-out. Now, you should pray that somebody would be healed and it's God's will that they would be healed. Well, if I look in Scripture, I don't necessarily see that. Paul still had a thorn in his flesh. Paul still got sick. The disciples all died horrific deaths outside of John. I don't necessarily see that, but I do think that if we pray for healing, we can still pray for God's will. I don't think that's a cop-out. What I think that is is actually a bolstering up of that prayer with even more faith. Because it's saying, God, I can't bend you to my will. I want these things. This is, what, this is what I desire. I desire to see healing in this person's life. I desire for this relationship to be reconciled. I desire for closer union with you. I desire these things. But God, look, you know what you're doing in my life. You know what you're doing in this world. And so God, what I'm saying is in the utmost faith that I can muster is I trust you to accomplish what you are doing. And if healing can come about, if the things I'm praying for, the things that my heart desires you to do, the things that I would like to see, if that could be found within your will, then God, so be it. I pray with expectation, but I also pray with acceptance. And then there's this weird part, all right? And when there's weird parts in Scripture, I know a lot of pastors would kind of sidestep that. Let's get weird, man. Verse 14, it says, anointing him with oil. Now, this can be weird, all right? He's talking about anointing oil now. Does that mean we're going to just bust it out? We're going to start putting it on everybody's forehead? No, it's not necessarily what it means. Anointing him with oil. Oil had many uses in the Bible. It's mentioned 20 times in Scripture, 15 in the Old Testament, 5 in the New Testament. And sometimes it's spiritual, and sometimes it's practical. In a spiritual sense, we see Psalm 23, 5, He anoints my head with oil, says David. Now, is God actually anointing David's head with oil? No, He's not. But He is ministering to him physically and spiritually and metaphorically. He is ministering to David. He is providing relief. He is providing refreshment. He is providing encouragement. And so, yes, sometimes we see it spiritually, but we also see it practically as well. Again, five times in the New Testament, anointing oil comes up. We see that Jesus discusses its use while fasting, try to cover it up. You don't want everybody to know you're fasting. Hey, look at me. I'm not eating today. I want God to move in my life. Aren't I spiritual? No. No. Put some oil on your face. Cover that up. Stop being... You're not the Pope. What are you doing over here? Stop. We also see the disciples anoint the sick and heal them. We see Mary 
pour it on Jesus' feet as a sign of worship. And we see in Hebrews that God anoints Jesus with it upon his victorious return into heaven. Here's what I'm saying about the anointing oil. We don't want to skip over stuff like this. I think it's super interesting. But I also don't think that we get super duper caught up on it. There's no command in Scripture to pray over and heal people with anointing oil. There's also nothing in Scripture that forbids anointing oil. Here's the deal. If you call me to come pray over you and you're asking for healing, yeah, I might show up with 100% virgin olive oil, okay? I might show up with some Crisco, and I'm going to be expecting some healing to go down. Scripture doesn't say you must do this. So we have the opportunity. We have the possibility. I think probably what's more important for us to take out of this is in the same way that God ministered to David, we minister to others. When other people are needing something in their life, that we show up in their life. And that's part of what it means to be all in. It means that your concerns matter to me. It means that if you have a doctor appointment and you can't get to it, that I'm driving you there. It means that if you have a bill that you can't pay, that I'm helping you pay that bill. It means that if you are sick and you need a meal that is provided, I will provide that meal. It means that we minister to the needs of the flock. So, be prayed for. Be prayed for. I want to ask at this point, we have a prayer team that prays for you guys and is ready and waiting to pray for you every single Sunday. Prayer team, if you are here, I want you to stand up. I want you to come down to the front. It's one thing to say that we want to pray for you. It's another thing to say we have provided means in which you can be prayed for. It doesn't mean that every Sunday you need to come down front. It doesn't mean that every Sunday you need to find somebody to pray for you along the side of this room. But there will be times in your life where you need prayer. There will be times in your life when you know somebody that does need prayer. You don't always just have to pray for yourself. You can pray for other people too. It doesn't matter if they're a part of this church or not. We want to loose the things in heaven through cooperation with God and see them come down to earth. We want to see people restored. We want to see people set free. We want to see addictions obliterated. We want to see the broken healed. We want to see union with God restored. And so what I'm saying to you as a church is that every single Sunday from this point forward, the song directly after the sermon, the third song of the day, that this team right here or some rendition of it will be here ready and willing to pray for you. These are people in our church that I know can be trusted. These are people in our church that I know have mature walks with the Lord, mature prayer lives, and they want to love you. They want to serve you, and they want to pray for you. Every Sunday from this point moving forward, after service, some part of this team is going to remain down front. If you have something you need to pray for that's going to take a little bit longer, come find one of us. And if you're just completely stubborn, obstinate, and introverted, you can still text it in on the app, okay? Don't leave it on the table.
don't operate anymore like you are locked outside of that door and there are so many good things just beyond it that you have access to but you forgot the key because you've had the key the whole time and that key is prayer. Let's access those things. Let's cooperate with God. Let's see heaven come to earth through the way that we pray.